And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who can answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA, Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Well, good evening, North Carolina. And thanks for joining us once again on Money Matters with the Lewis family. Doug Lewis, Linda Lewis, and Deborah Lewis. Well, hello. How is everybody? Well, it's a little bit uh, cold yucky. and yeah, it's not so nice outside. <laughs> hey, folks, it's still winter, right? But it's going away. It's, it's going away. It's still it, winter. It's all right. It's okay. It's going away. <laughs> Yesterday was sunny and the roads are getting less uh, uh, black icy. Everything is working out wonderfully. Yeah. yeah. We'll be in the 50s soon. And give a little more time. We'll be in the 90s. We'll be complaining of the heat. <laughs> so, Linda, what's new in the world of retirement planning? Well... Uh, did you happen to see that article in the journal, in the Wall Street Journal, about the spotlight that's been put on the 401ks? Did you see that, Doug? I did. But before I answer the uh, question, Linda, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to call us tonight. Call us at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. You can also go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. But if you call us tonight, we will be available to answer any of your financial questions about your financial world. Now then. And, you know, we just want to tell our listeners, we hope that all of you out there are warm and safe in this difficult weather. And as Deborah said, uh, warmer, warmer weather is, is on the way, right? That's right. That's <laughs> okay. right. Now, what about that article, Doug? Yeah, the article was a very interesting article because it's, it's, it's highlighting something that I have warned our listeners and our clients about for many years, and it's a 401k issue. You know, the 401k plan has become, when we first began our radio program many years ago, very few people contributed to 401k plans. They were not all that you know, uh, they just had an anniversary 401k plans. They just turned 40. Well, the the turning of 40 years could even be deceptive because the dramatic shift has happened since the year 2000. That's when the big funding has occurred. All right. And that was not that long ago. But this, what's happening right now, there's a big lawsuit. And the lawsuit is focusing on class action. There are 13 of them now. 13 class action lawsuits filed over the past eight years against U.S. companies 
for failing to act in the best interest of their employees who participate in their 401k plans. And this is sort of shocking when you look at these companies. They're big companies, a lot of them. Boeing Company, Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company. Anyway, the point is that there are lawsuits now, and the lawsuits are pointing us to the fact that the 401k plan is not, very often, it's not acting in the best interest of the employees. And and what's happening here is this is highlighting the responsibility of the plan sponsors to not just use reasonably priced investments, but to use the investments that are able to be put in the 401k plan for the lowest cost. Now, now this is, this is very tricky here because you could have two different mutual funds in a 401k plan. Okay. And let's say that, uh, one company offers, I don't want to use any names, XYZ mutual fund right. as one of its options. And another company offers XYZ the same fund. Okay. But what you may not know is that the one fu- uh, company would have A shares, which are the most expensive shares. Retail and, shares. Yeah, the retail shares and the other and same fund may be institutional shares. And these are very big differences because those fees, those fees get taken out of the employee's money. So, you know, this all began back some years ago. The lawsuits began back in 2007, I think was the first lawsuit, and there there was an uh, accusation against a utility company and its 401k in the state of California. Well, what the lawsuit um, proclaimed or alleged mm-hmm. was that there was a breach of duty to offer prudent investments because its selections included both retail shares of mutual funds, rather than these lower-cost institutional shares of the same mutual fund. And so what what happens here is we're back to this matter of fiduciary responsibility. And the reason I think we should at least bring it to our listeners' attention is how many years have I listened to clients come into my office and tell us, oh, well, all of my investing experience really has been my 401k. Yes, that's frequently a comment. Where, where, where is all the, uh, uh, income that you have been saving over the year? Oh, well, I've been putting it aside in my 401k. And they think that the 401k plan is somehow working on their behalf. Well, in a sense, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a fiduciary, but there is no real fiduciary action happening right here. And that's what these lawsuits are about. They're saying, you better watch out that your 401k plan is not getting the best deal for you very often. Sometimes your company is just got a lot of things that are not in your best interest. They may be prudent investment options, but they may not be best for you. And so, of course, I've been I've been advising people about this for many years. Well, right now it's hitting the press about these lawsuits. And, of course, the only answer is what should you do? Go see a certified financial planner. That's right. You, you know, give us see. a call. Come make an appointment. Ask those questions. Yeah, because we are fiduciaries. We are required by law to act in the best interest of the client. And, of course, we covered this last week on the air, the we whole did. matter of uh, fiduciary responsibility versus suitability. That's right. And so far, 
it doesn't seem like it's connecting in a lot of people's heads, but it should be connecting. It should be connecting quite a bit because this is, you know, it's it's your money. Right. So if you have a question tonight about your 401k, about what's inside it and what might be uh, your best move to make in your 401k, give us a call tonight. The lines are open for one hour, 919-860-9783. And we would love to answer your question about your 401k. Yeah, we've had the pleasant experience of looking at some companies 401k plans and seeing, gee, not very good selection of investment options. And the clients have asked us, well, what can we do? Right. And we've told them, well, gently, you can go ahead and bring this to the attention of your boss, of your supervisor. And we've had the experience where they have actually opened up more avenues of investment options to, to the, the employees. employees. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it's not a matter of you have to just be, you know, helpless in this scenario. That's right. But you need somebody who's responsible looking at it for you. And that matter of looking at it from the, through the eyes of a fiduciary, really looking at it, what kind of fees are in there, what kind of selections are in there, and all these these matters, that really is you know, it's it's your money. That's a 401k right. is very often it's money that you put away out of your own paycheck through the years. That's right. And it's one thing to say you're a fiduciary, but it's another thing to act in the responsibility as a fiduciary. That's right. Because um, there well, are standards that's to right. be met. And certainly, you know, the higher ups have. The light is be the spotlight is being put on these 401k plans because there are these lawsuits that are looming, but the onus is on the plan sponsors and those uh, that. Well, I, I want to add one thing to it though is is you know they can meet the fiduciary standard by protecting it for us by keeping it separate as an employee, but really we as the employee need to be in front of it, knowing what are our investment options and exactly. what are the um, uh, what are the right options that I should choose for my own financial planning. I need to know what what investment choices are, but then I need to be able to work with someone like a certified financial planner at Lewis Financial Management and be able to ask those questions. Are these investment choices exactly what are in my best interest? I think we got a caller calling in. Oh, Let's good. take Al's call and see what, what how we can help him this evening. Evening, Al. This is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner. How can we help you? Uh, well, I just got to have, have a comment. Uh, I, I'd heard you uh, talking a long time about uh, people, uh, uh, financial planners and people who are selling the products. And a lot of people are getting them mixed up. And, and the last week, I think the president was trying to weed that out uh, uh, as, as far as, uh, uh, you know, people selling to older people. Right. And I just wanted to commend you. I'd heard you say it long before he got into it. And I just want to commend you on, on, on looking out for the people. Well, thank you, Al, because this whole matter, and you know, it's not simply, uh, it, 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 the whole story breaks into this matter of fiduciary versus suitability. And fiduciary is a person who by law has to be thinking of what's best for you, the client. Right. And if he's trying to sell an investment that's going to get a commission for him, then obviously he's not thinking of what's best for you. Suitability is where a person selling investments has to present suitable investments for you, but not necessarily 
what's best for you. There may be two investments, both them suitable. One makes a bigger commission. And if you're regulated as a fiduciary, you've got to tell the client that there's a cheaper way to get the same investment. Or if you're not regulated, which is exactly what you're pointing to, then you're only regulated as according to the rules of suitability. And the president is focusing on this. He's exactly it, it, it's it's very much coming to the eye of the public. And this topic that we were just talking about, 401ks, they are, uh, you know, now we're talking about billions of dollars. So I believe we're going to see more spotlight because of these court cases. But, Al, thank you so much for commenting. I appreciate that. Keep but listening now. You've been, on a, you've been on that for a long time. I have been <laughs> on that for a long time. We have... Uh, 25 I, years. Oh, my Andy. gosh, yeah. Well, I'm just remembering the first one. I won't mention a name because I remember it was a 401k plan of a very well-known company right here in Raleigh. And I will not mention any names, but the employees of that company suddenly found out that their retirement money was gone. Why? Because the owner of the company needed some money. He was going through some bankruptcy. He thought he would borrow from the 401k plan and repay it, but he wasn't able to repay it. And all the employees lost a hundred percent. And, and that, I think that must've been 15 years ago that we brought that one to the public's attention. But I am glad that you have a good memory, Al. Thank you so much for your comments. You're quite welcome. Thank you. All right now. You have a wonderful week, Al. Thanks for calling. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you for joining us tonight. And if you've got a question about your 401k, your uh, investment questions, what about college funding or estate planning? Call us on the open line with your questions. That number is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, you know, this is the time of year when um, it's on everybody's minds, if it's just preparation or if it's already getting started, but it's taxes. And taxes ends up being a big discussion uh in regard to, do I have all the right information? And then once I am prepared to go in and, and give all this information to my CPA or try and file myself, what do I need to be aware of? Yeah, a lot of people, uh, number one, think, well, 2014 is long gone. It's months behind us. There's nothing I can do either right or wrong. It's all happened. And that's a big mistake because there are traps that are out there. First of all, I will remind just about everybody that you can still file open and take a deduction if you're self-employed for a SEP IRA for the year 2014 and reduce your 2014 income taxes. You can do that. All right. That's number one. But now for most people, there are these little traps that are still waiting. And the first one, of course, that I can think of is that the IRS now has new reporting requirements on options. You know, options can either be traded on the stock exchange or they can be given to employees as compensation. Options to buy the stock of the the company they work for. Okay. And brokerage firms and other financial firms have to report to the IRS the sales of these stock options that were required, that were acquired in 2014 if they went ahead and took them as compensation and turned around and sold them and got cash. All right. Now, uh, that's, 
That's the deal that has to happen. But there are some important new wrinkles in the reporting of these stock options that employees receive as compensation. All right. If such options are exercised and the shares are sold at the same time, which is often the case, then the brokerage firm who does that for you will report those proceeds on Form 1099-B. Everybody knows that. But the new wrinkle is, for the first time, brokerage firms are not permitted to report the cost basis on that 1099-B because that cost basis would reduce the amount of tax you pay on gain, it's now up to the taxpayer to include it. And people who aren't aware of this omission could very easily end up overpaying their taxes. So that's the first trap that you can fall into. What about if I got options last year from my employer and sold them? What about uh, the basis of them and how much tax do I pay? You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises. Uh, if you have a question for the Lewises, call right now, 919-860-9783. Again, our number here in studio is 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, I bet the second biggest tax trap to avoid would be charitable donations. Oh, yeah. Everybody has something with regard to charity and charitable donations, and errors here are very common. You and know, I, I was going to add one thing, and I bet the biggest reason why is because people forget that a charitable donation is a part of the IRS tax code. It's it's something the IRS has written in that we're going to give you a reduction in taxes if you're charitably minded. That's right. That's so exactly you need to right. Follow Deborah. the rules properly. That's right. Well, donors who give non-cash property worth more than five hundred dollars, they have to fill in a special form called the form eighty-two eighty-three. And gifts of property that are worth more than $5,000 need to have an independent appraisal on them. That's an easy one to miss. And if you don't get it right, then uh, you could get a very nice letter from the Internal Revenue Service saying they'd like to see something that documents it. You know, there are all kinds of special rules applying to donations, cars, inventory, appreciated assets, as well as non-cash property that's worth more than a half million dollars, there's a whole set of rules there. So uh, those donations, and then owners of IRAs who are over 70 and a half years old, those who made direct transfers to charities last year because of that special rule that we told everybody about, they need to remember to exclude the income, what we call the RMD, the income excluded from your IOA withdrawals. That's another trap that you could fall into. Yeah, that's a big one because you might not realize that that contribution is actually a reduction because it's an I, an IRA withdrawal is income that hasn't been taxed before, but it's income coming out so we can reduce our income. Another big one, Doug, probably state tax refunds. Yeah, this is tricky also because if you received a North Carolina tax refund for 2013 coming in last year, You've got to remember that that's income that you're going to pay. Now, let me take a call. I think I've got a call coming in. Deborah, we can take this one. I think Gene will come back to tax traps, but I think we've got Dean on the line. Hi, Dean. This is Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner. Hello, Deborah. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I wonder if you could explain the difference to the uh, audience, what the difference between a, uh, what is it, a financial, uh, uh, you're a uh, certified financial manager and the difference. Uh, of the uh, licensed portfolio manager. 
Sure. Well, I can tell you what I am. I'm a certified financial planner, and that's an educational designation. So in my situation, I went through a two-year program with uh, seven areas to study, and then at the end took an exam. So it's an educational designation. You can only you can only get that designation. It's sort of like a master's or a Ph.D. degree. You can only get it after you have a college degree, and it takes two years of courses studying not only investments but also let's see um, income taxes, absolutely retirement plans, retirement plans, yeah, estate plans, insurance, okay, insurance. So you do uh, you do a uh, portfolio management as well, then. Oh, you have to study portfolio management quite a bit. So that's all part of the education. Now, that's what a certified financial planner is. I have been a certified financial planner for about... uh, Since 1985. 1985, I have to remember. I was one of the early ones in the United States. Uh, But that is a designation, and the exam to pass it is a two-day examination, and over 50% of the people that take it Fail it. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a so very, Dean. it's a very difficult examination to get. Now, that's a certified financial plan. That's education. That's knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a licensed portfolio manager, there's really no such thing. So I'm not exactly sure what you mean by a licensed portfolio manager. Help me understand where your confusion is. Oh, I just, I wasn't sure what, what the difference was. I was just, uh, all right. Well, play, uh, well, then let me, yeah, let me go on a little further then. The certified financial planner, that's an educational degree, okay? Okay. It's sort of like you graduate from college, you go to law school, and you get a law degree. It doesn't say that you make a living as a lawyer just yet. It just says that you've got a law degree. If you happen to go to New York City, a lot of times you can get into a taxi and find out the taxi driver, he got a law degree, but he couldn't get a job as a lawyer, so he's making more money as a taxi driver. So the educational degree is one thing. That's the first thing. Now the question is, how does the person make a living? And here is what, here's what we do. Okay. We are, of course, we do have the educational designation. Yes, we do. Both Deborah, my daughter, and myself, we do. But how we make a living is we are regulated to give investment advice, which is on the on behalf of the investor on setting up an investment portfolio how to build the proper portfolio how to go ahead and achieve uh the safest portfolio achieve your financial goals you know um how old are you dean Uh, 62 62 okay so at 62 you're not thinking wow i just graduated from college i wonder how much money i'm able to save for my first job you're thinking about retirement right Yes, I am. Right, right. So if you're 62 and – are you retired? I didn't even ask you. No, I'm still working. I don't plan on retiring soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it's someone – it's it's getting to know the client and, 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 and finding out their situation. What's your situation? Oh, uh, I, I uh, am a uh, project manager. All right. What's I your – yeah, my own IRA. All right. And what's your income, Gene? Uh, it's about six digits a year. I'm sorry. About six, six digits a year. All right. So your income is a hundred is is a hundred thousand. Yes. All right. And have you have you accumulated any portfolio outside of retirement funds? Uh, I manage my own IRA. 
All right. Well, that's a retirement fund. I'll come back to that one next. All right. How about manage? How about any investments through the years that you've been working that are not in IRAs or four hundred one ks or anything like that? Like stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Oh no. Okay, so all of your investments so far have been inside of some type of retirement plan like an IRA. That's correct. All right, and how about in a 401k, anything in a 401k? No. Okay, so everything is in your IRA, all right, and you manage your own. How much is in your IRA? Uh, it's about 100000 About $100,000, and you're still working. Are you – now, you're not ma- you're not spending everything – Are I, well, I don't think you have any any children at home still, do you? No. Okay. So it's just you and your wife? That's correct. All right. So of your income, how much are you having left over each month to help put away towards your retirement? Uh, approximately uh, three to 500 a month. Okay. So you're spending almost all of your $100,000 income except $300 a month. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, uh I'm sorry. Uh, what was the question again? Uh, okay. All right. If you're, if you're making, over. yeah, if you're making over a hundred thousand dollars a year and it's just you and your wife, I presume that you have a lot left over each month. Oh, yes. Yes. So that was my question. How much is left over each month? Uh, probably about, uh, yeah, about three, four hundred dollars, but I am also putting that much in on top of that. Where, where are you putting the money setting That's aside? My IRA. Okay. All right. Well, the I think where Doug was going was is when one has extra income that's left over at the end of the month after we've paid our living expenses, then the idea would be to have money set aside in retirement accounts and then this extra 3 to 500 that's left over in the month have it set aside in a personal portfolio. So, if you want to give me a call during the week, my number is 919-872-7000 and um we can talk a little bit about what some of your options might be. If you are able to accumulate, you know, if you're not planning on retiring anytime soon, that gives you 10 years, you know, maybe that where you could set aside $500 a month. Well, I think he's got a problem, Deborah. I think at 62 years old, if he has not saved anything in any investment portfolio other than his IRA and the IRA only has $100,000, he needs to seriously hone in on the living expenses, on on building an investment portfolio to to, to support him and his wife. When he does retire, because uh, you don't have a lot of extra years to go backwards and redo it Is that again. really where the concern is coming in, yeah, Well, that's why he needs a certified financial planner. Is that really why the con- the concern and the why you were calling tonight? Like uh, what? Yeah, I was just kind of interested in, uh, you know, looking into the investment planner. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely give uh, me a call. Probably- are you in the Raleigh area? We are, and we're real easy to get to right off the Beltline, Quail Corners area. And Gene, if you'll call me just after the show, I'll, um, I'll stop by the office like I always do. And if I have some time, I'll just give you a call back and we can just pick through some numbers or tomorrow. See but what my times number, are available. My for number, you. my number is 919-872-7000. And you know, what would be good too, Dean, is just to write down your questions and, um, you know, it it is uh, a retirement is around the bend, so you need to get some assistance uh, to help you so that you can reach whatever your goals are in retirement. Yeah, Linda, Linda will be able to go ahead or Deborah and tell you what dates are available for appointments to meet with us, and then you can get true individual 
non-sales advice about how to go on and achieve your goals. All right. Well, thank Thanks. you so much for calling, Dean. All right. Have a wonderful week. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you have got a question about your situation, we'd love to hear about it. Call us on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And if you've had thoughts about your situation, like our, our last caller, Dean, and you're nearing retirement or you're in that pre-retirement stage, Call us at Lewis Financial Management during the week. We'd love to speak with you. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment, our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. For, um, and also visit the website at DougAndLinda.com. And if you happen to schedule an appointment, we will give you a one of two free books. One is... Um, uh, so I think this week we're going to give away, Linda, either Middle Class Millionaire or The Wealthy Barber. Okay, very good. All right. Well, well let's go back. Yeah. yeah, let's go back because I think I had a couple more little tips about avoiding tax traps that I didn't touch on before his call came in. Uh, this matter of the state income tax refund, like if you got a refund in North Car- a North Carolina refund that came to you last year because you overpaid for 2013 – then you've got to realize that that is income that has to be reported on your 2014 tax return. And if you don't, you're going to get a nice letter from the Internal Revenue Service. Uncle Sam is going to send you a letter saying, where is that? Why haven't you reported it? Now, there's another big one that just happened. Yes, this we're hearing a lot about is this net investment income tax. Yeah, this, this is sort is, of a big yeah, looming. This is, oh, this is a big thing that's been looming for some time now. It is, it's called the net investment income tax. It's a surtax. You know, if you think about how many income taxes we pay, how many income taxes can you think of that well, we pay? Well, let's see. We have, we start with our earned income. So earned income, earned that's income. to the IRS. Yeah. And then we have capital gains. Capital gains tax. tax. And then we have North, North Carolina, Carolina state tax. tax. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we have this thing called a surtax. Yes. This is an additional 3.8% surtax on net investment income, and it applies to certain net earnings from investments by people who make over $250,000 a year. So if you make over $250,000 a year, then you've got to watch out that there is this extra 3.8% surtax, and this year taxpayers who owe this 3.8% surtax should check very carefully on their tax return that their accountant is entering it correctly and that you're not overpaying. Yeah. So, so those are the traps that I can think of to watch out for uh, as far as filing your tax return now for last year's taxes. That's right. Things to watch out so you don't overpay. Well, if you have questions tonight about taxes, investments, cash flow planning, retirement planning, give us a call. Well, what's new in the world of investments? Wow. You know, it's an investment planning. It was some years ago, I think. Do you remember around 2008 when uh, pretty much uh, 
the world was going to end. I mean, everybody was pretty clear the world was going to end. What did everybody end. say? Uh, my 401k became a 201k. Yeah, and it's going to go lower and lower, and the whole world is going to end, and and, and and the Dow Jones is going to uh, drop down to uh, 5,000 and so forth. Well, I was recalling back in those days, which, of course, was 2008, I was recalling how Sir John Templeton, the famous Sir John Templeton, uh, the founder right. of the Templeton Mutual Funds, yeah. he said, there will be a day when you will see a 20,000 Dow. And there, you know, in those days they were talking about a five, oh, the Dow is going to drop from 13,000 to 12 to 10, all the way down to 5,000. Well, guess what? We are sitting there over 18,000 now in the Dow. I, uh, we're, we're, we're going all the way over. And, and so the question right away is, well, what lessons have we learned from last year, which was 2014, because of what has come to us in 2015. And I would say the biggest lessons that I'm thinking of is don't, don't think that you know it all. You know, don't try to time market tops and bottoms. Nearly every economist last year predicted higher interest rates in 2014, and guess what happened? <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> rates fell. <laughs> they actually went down. And who would have guessed that gasoline would be selling for $2.50 a gallon during the holidays? That's right. So but- my prediction for 2015 is the same lesson is going to be learned again. Pick an asset allocation that's right for you. Use a certified financial to help planner like myself, like my daughter Deborah, to go ahead and and design an asset allocation pattern that's right for you and stick with it through thick and thin. You know, have a real plan. Have a portfolio that's been um, tailored or custom designed or, you know, you you put or you and your financial planner put some time into it so that you know how to stick to that plan through the thick and thin. Because it is. It's 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 a little boring, but it's necessary. That's, you know, diversification is is the way we're going to we're going to make it through all these ups and downs. Well, you know, one of my favorite uh, peers in the profession, Eleanor Blaney, yes. she's been a certified financial planner as I have for 30 years, and I know Eleanor, and she came up with this term, error terms, E-R-R-O-R, error terms. You see, one problem with predictions is that they don't include these error terms. So it's an error term. Right. An error term represents the economic impact of events and circumstances that can't be anticipated before they occur. Oh. Example for last year's era terms, Ebola. Right. Threat of ISIS. Right. Russia's annexation of part of the Ukraine. Right. So the the question comes up to the investor again, what's an investor supposed to do with these pesky little error terms that start interfering with most predictable economic relationships? You got to get these errors to cancel each each other out. That's what you have to do. And the way that you do it is you do it by diversifying asset classes. And this way, diversification works because even the smartest predictions usually don't. But the error terms across the the classes, that works. Now, another thing, looking back on last year, what did we learn? Stay calm. In any crisis, stay calm. Don't try to market time in the midst of chaotic, scary events. Because we have. We've seen a number of shocking events and crises this year. And it's difficult to predict what's going to happen this coming year and what effect it's going to have on financial markets. 
However, if the investors can stay disciplined and calloused to the volatility, then their portfolios, with the help of a certified financial planner and an asset allocation model, their portfolios will be rewarded in the long term. And that's what's happened with our clients. They have all been rewarded. We're not going to change our method of doing things. We're not going to. That's right. It's, you know, it's about risk reduction. It is. You know, if, if you can just from every angle try and reduce the risk, then the volatility that may or may not occur and to whatever degree it may or may not occur in each year to year situation won't affect you or your design or your plans or your financial goals in getting there. You know, at every stage of life, whether you're young and you've got your first job and you're accumulating, or maybe you're married and the kids are teenagers and you've got to move from North Carolina up to Wisconsin because you've got to change jobs or your company's moving out of the state. Right. Or maybe you're like our last caller, Dean, and you've been diligently working and saving and spending time taking care of family. But one day you want to retire. So what happens? You want to retire comfortably. That's right. You you still have questions. You got to make a plan and you have to have a plan. Any, any person that goes on a destination from point A to point Z or point B, you have to have a plan of how you're going to get there. And then you've got the latter stages of life when you've retired and you're approaching 70 and a half and you got to start taking your required minimum distribution or maybe you've got a terminal spouse or maybe you just recently lost a spouse and you're afraid and you don't know what decisions to make. Well, at every stage of life, your certified financial planner is there That's to right. hold your hand That's through right. various stages of That's life to reduce- and give you the comfort and the education that you need. You're listening to Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. We're about to go to a caller now, but if you have a call, call right now. I mean, if you have a question, call right now. 919-860-9783. Again, that number is 919-860-9783. Let's take that caller now. Let's take Steve's call. Steve, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? How much could you leave? your spouse without having estate taxes, or can you leave everything to him without estate taxes? Well, how much would you like to leave her? Counting life insurance, close to $2 million. And that's a good point. You said counting life insurance. Is the life insurance needed for her survival, well, for her no, support? Probably not, but it's there to cover estate taxes, and it's also there as a form of retirement. Well, you've thrown in even a third curveball. First story is that you could, if you choose, leave her a hundred million dollars and have no estate taxes. Okay. But the problem is, unless she can quickly remarry, it will hit when she dies. Uh, well, I knew that. So, so, so you, you never want to leave it all to her. That's the whole thing. Uh-huh. But you have to do it in such a way that you create a taxable estate at the first death. Now, the taxable estate you create is by leaving something to someone other than your wife. So if you leave it to a trust, it's now somebody other than your wife. That's right. Now, this trust then can leave all of its income to her. That's right. So she can receive the income from it. And when you start putting some more bells and whistles on this thing, you can even make her the trustee of it so she can control it. I see. You can even give her what we call five by five powers, which is the right to go in 
and get 5% of the principal if she needs to, to help out with her normal lifestyle. I see. And she wants the same over in her estate. Now, with regard to the insurance, you said you want to have insurance for retirement planning. That's a no-no. Never get insurance to build up cash value to support you during retirement. No, it's just a supplement. Yeah, you don't want to do that. That's a bad move. Well, I figured what I was going to do was going to take it and just turn it over and put it in a trust. Yeah, that, that, what you've done is you're creating a disaster for yourself. What you want to do is you want to go ahead and have an irrevocable life insurance trust established now that will be the owner and the beneficiary of all your insurance. That's right. That way, nothing will come back into her estate and then be hit when she dies. Can you do that with a current policy? Yes. However, to do it, you have to wait three years before you die. In other words, if you die within a three-year period, then it will come back into your estate as if you didn't do it. Say if I did it now at 42, which, I, you know, hopefully I won't die soon. If I do it now, then I would be okay. Is right. You will have moved all of your insurance out of the taxable estate. The trust has to be the owner, and the trust has to be the beneficiary of the insurance. And you need to do an insurance needs analysis. I see. To find out, to make sure that she will have enough without this insurance because the insurance can't be used for her. Well, that's what I wanted to do. That was kind of my question I was asking you. That's, that was my goal. Right. Was to move this policy to a, a trust, et cetera, and I not be the owner of the policy. Right. Your insurance agent should have advised you in doing that. As a matter of fact, the best kind of policy to get for estate taxes is one we call a second to die policy. Uh-huh. Which is one policy that pays because you don't know who's going to die last, you or she. Have you ever worked with a financial planner, Steve? No, I've worked with a, a broker, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you, what you want to do yeah. is you want to find a certified financial planner who charges a fee for their knowledge, not selling you a product. I understand. Uh, and then uh, go it that way because a second-to-die policy is the one that's the best one and also the cheapest one for paying estate taxes and also keeps you from having to buy two policies because you don't know who's going to die last. That's right. Now, that's right. are you self-employed? or? Yes. Okay, so... Yeah, it's time. <laughs> oh, well, I've got, I mean, I'm money purchase pension plan, profit sharing plan. Right, but your estate planning, you, you still need. Yeah, well, that's right. That's my, that's the reason I call. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot that you probably can do, uh, that you probably haven't, have not been, uh, exposed to, but I would advise you to get a financial plan produced, uh, and then see how everything works out because if you, if you, if you have the potential at, at age 41 to leave a large estate, you want to go ahead and maximize the investment side and all of the benefits you've got here, the tax side, and tie it to the estate side. I see. Well, I knew that using life insurance for retirement was not a good thing, but I just happened to have it. And so one of those deals. Yeah, what you might want to do is if you cancel that policy, take out your cash value, you buy a second-to-die policy inside an irrevocable life insurance trust, mm-hmm. you could use that cash value to reduce your premium on the, on the, on the policy for estate tax. If I can provide any more information for you, you can call the office. All right. Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. All right. I'll be happy to either send you some information or see what we can do to answer any more questions that you might have. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling, Steve. Steve. Bye-bye. You know, what just occurred to me is the present legislation that we're under and the matter of portability i didn't mention this to steve but portability is uh it's very interesting right now of course 
you can leave five and a quarter million dollars to anybody other than your spouse right. tax free. You can leave a hundred million, as I told him, to your spouse or two hundred million unlimited, but you can leave five and a quarter million to anybody other than a spouse because there's a credit to cover it. But it's interesting. We have a new thing called portability. Right. That says that if I fill out a certain form at the time that my spouse died, this is the surviving spouse. That's right. If the surviving spouse fills out a form reporting uh, at the time that the first spouse dies, then the portability kicks in and it is able to let the non-spouse, the children in this case, have ten and a half million tax-free. That's right. So when we get it that those numbers that high, then the question comes: Well, do we still need insurance? For some, yes. For some, no. Second to die life insurance, especially when you're only forty-one years old, is quite inexpensive and may very well be the way to go. But we do need to have a needs analysis because there's one further thing that plays into this. What's that, Doug? That's the matter of could the law be changed? That's When we began our radio program back in 1990 here to the listeners, WPTF, in those days you could leave 600,000 tax-free to a non-spouse. And then some years later it moved up to a million dollars tax-free to a non-spouse. And then some years later, it moved up to $2 million tax-free to a non-spouse. And then it moved up to $3.5 million, And then it moved up to where it is now at five and a quarter million. And now we have portability, which can move it up to 10 and a half. But that doesn't mean a new tax law won't go ahead and change that. And we do know that there are a lot of members of Congress that would like to have that revoked and bring it back down, so bring in more taxes. Yeah. I read somewhere that like less than a thousand people were actually affected by it last year. Because it it it's not a big income producer. So there's probably going to be a move or at least um, I'm expecting it'll be it'll I'm be expecting changed. it, yeah. All yeah. right. And then there's the whole matter of IRD taxes. That's, That's right. income taxes no matter what your income on your retirement plans. That doesn't count as part of that five and a quarter million. That's right. IRD, income in respect of decedent. The income in respect of decedent. Just as he said, he's got a pension and so forth, but there are taxes, so we need to do a needs analysis on all counts. We've got time for another call or two on the show. Call right now, 919-860-9783. We're in the final 10 minutes here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call right now, 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, Linda, there are a lot of um, investment illusions out there. Mm-hmm. And some of these illusions are often presented to us in the form of, hey, uh, I'd like you to look at my statements from my money manager and I'd like for you to tell me your opinion. That's that's <laughs> generally what most of our conversations with our clients are all about. You are so right, Deborah. You know, throughout the years I have had investors come to me with statements or reports showing some pretty outstanding performance. That can include anything from market beating 
portfolio increases to truly satisfying amounts of income. But the vast majority of the time, when I have looked at these, these outstanding performances turned out to be exactly what you said, skillful illusions. And when I explain the illusions to the clients in my office, I so often hear them say something like, why is that legal? Right, right, right. <laughs> Why is How that legal? How can they do that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I still see reports where people bring me comparing their investment portfolio to an index. And usually it's the S&P 500 index. Right. But, you know, that's an illusion. That's a problematic benchmark. The S&P 500 is merely the appreciation of stocks. And it excludes all the dividend reinvestment. That's right. And it's it, not, yeah, it's not, it's not, it isn't the total return. That's right. That's, you know, benchmarked by Morningstar. That's right. And the S&P 500 only includes 500 companies. It excludes all small and most mid-cap companies. So a benchmark like that, that's an illusion. That is. It really is. Um, another illusion that we often find is uh, gross returns versus net returns. Wow, this is a big one. It really this is, is a big one. The mutual fund industry must report re- their returns after all fees. So these are known as net of fees. And we like that. We like that. But money managers show clients returns gross of fees or before fees. And we don't feel that's fair. We don't like that. Because what matters to the investor, of course, are the actual returns. And any management fee takes from those returns. So, again, that's another illusion that people bring me when they show me things. Is it gross return or is it net return? And that's what you need to know. You need to know, are your investments being measured on gross return or net return? Exactly. Uh, bond interest income, Doug, give us your thoughts on that. Well, one client came to me with a statement showing hundreds of thousands of dollars annually in interest income in his professionally managed municipal bond portfolio. Guess what? When I looked at it, in actuality, two-thirds of those returns were an illusion. How could this be an illusion? Because it's just return of his own money. It's return of principle. <laughs> no, right, right. It's return of right, principle. Right, right. The practice of reporting dun, dun, dun. return of principle as income is quite common. It really is. And this is an illusion. This is uh, th- yeah. This is not right. Yeah. Brokerage statements are communications that are subject to certain types of fair dealing but it seems that the details can be left in the tiny fine print. And so this is really a convoluted way of saving, of saying to some investors that what you thought was income is the return of your own money. That's right. And investors generally don't realize a portion of income is the return of, is the return of their principles valid. That's right. So, I mean, it, you got to look just, in the fine print to find right, that. Right. And, and if you've got to look in the fine print to find out what's, you know, just being the return of your own money, there, there, there's an illusion being given to you. And the biggest one, I think, on my list is this income for life. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I love that one. That's what I call confusing the chicken and the egg. Yeah. The pitch goes something like this. You can only earn 2.5% on a CD, but you can get an annuity paying 6% that you can never outlive. Sounds good. That's the pitch so often for a single premium immediate annuity which may be appropriate under certain circumstances, but the pitch is totally misleading. That sounds bad. I'll show you why. Okay. Let's assume you've got a 65-year-old client, and he buys this annuity that's paying, quote, quote, 6% income. Uh Uh-huh. 
the client has to live 16 years just to get his money back before he earns a single penny of income. All that money coming back was just his original money. It's his own money. It's his own money. That's what it is. And there's another problem with this pitch. It confuses the chicken with the eggs because with the annuity, you give up the chicken to the insurance company. But with the annuity, with the CD rather, you get to keep the chicken and the eggs. And what okay. do I mean by that? Yeah, I was going to say, so the chicken is our principal. That's right. And the eggs is going to be our income off of our principal. That's right. So if I have to give up my principal, like we always describe it, I have to give up my chicken. Right. So yeah. let's say we have $100,000 and the, the pitch is, oh, buy a $100,000 annuity. All right. I remember the one client came to see us uh, after they had gone yeah. to... Uh, recently to see another who- uh, sponsor, another radio advertiser and came and said, look, all my whole $700,000 is going to go ahead and go into buying this annuity and it is going to give me this huge income. And I read the print, the fine print and I said, guess what? Your whole $700,000 just disappeared. That's your chicken. That's right. But when you die, zero goes to your wife and Right. So what do you get in exchange? You get the eggs. Right. You get the income. Right. That's the eggs. Right. But you give up the principal. Right. That's the chicken. So what would be a better scenario? The better scenario is to try and keep the chicken and the eggs. Nice. Don't give up your chickens. That's you can right. have any chickens keep your and principal your eggs. And have that principal create an income stream. That's right. And you can still get that income for life, but that's the pitch that's out there. And these are the kinds of things that when people see these illusions and we bring them to their attention, so often they say just that. How can these things be legal? Right. Because they're not getting education. Right. And And that's what we hope to provide on Sunday evenings for everyone uh, who is listening. We hope that some of these scenarios have made you think of your own personal situation. Jot down your questions. Give us a call during the week, 919-872-7000. And uh, we would like to answer your questions. Every situation is different, and the principles, you know... They're basically the same, plus or fi- minus a, a, a few zeros. That's right. But, you know, people that are working, they're diligently working. Those are the wonderful people of North Carolina. That's right. And uh, day in and day out, accumulating, saving, diligently, caring for family, and watching That's the right. sunsets when we have them. That's right. It was <laughs> nice to have the sun this week, wasn't it? Really it was. was nice, Linda. <laughs> it was nice. Now, Doug, before we tie things up this evening, how about pointing out some mistakes that investors might make? Well, I think one of the mistakes people might make is the mistake of feeling certain, thinking that you know exactly what's going to happen with the market or the stock. Just because you've been making a lot of money this past year, don't forget, everything that goes up comes down. Okay. So, There are no certainties in stock markets, only probabilities. All right. And the second mistake that investors can make, I would say, is extrapolating the recent past and throwing it into the future. The easiest and often most common forecast is to assume that the future is going to resemble the recent past, and it doesn't work that way, not the recent past. And I would say another big mistake is people selling financial products for commissions. As the saying goes, never ask a barber if you need a barber, if you need a haircut. No barber's going to tell you. Never ask a commission broker whether you should be buying or selling a particular financial product. Don't do that. And there's other 
issues and problems, mistakes people made. And we'll cover them next week. We'll cover them next week. I hear the music coming, so everybody have a good week. Remember, your financial future is at stake, and your money matters. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m.